Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is The Curse of Nineveh. It was written by Mike Mason, Mark Latham, Scott Dorward, and Paul Fricker, and it's available from the Chaosium website. I'm the GM, and this is episode 22. Our recap will be given by Jason Melnichok as his character, Cyrus Finley. So, without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Jason? Oh, let me see. I just let me reread this before I send this out. Uh, my dearest sister Clementine, I hope this letter finds you well and in good spirits. I am writing to keep you apprised of my current situation. But first, I must ask you have those federal marshals been back snooping around my fa- the family estate? It's been five long years since the incident. I know you do not forgive me but I hope someday you will. I can still hear you crying and see you bruised and battered face. I remember finding you in a ball on the barn floor the day the Johnson brothers, well, you know what they did to you. And even in the state you were in, you tried to hold onto my leg and pleaded with me to keep me from storming off to their farm. I knew when I grabbed daddy's ax from the wood pile that those brothers had seen their last sunrise, but the anger took me. I could not, I could not let any of those Johnson family members walk this earth. Until this day, I have no remorse for sending all seven of them to hell, not even the old lady Johnson or the little one. But I digress. You know all of the story so far from the last few months. Well, we went to the auction. My Russian friend Vadim, he won that horn. That ancient item I spoke about in my last few letters? Well, anyway, I went back to my apartment. Vadim went to his manor house. The other gents stayed at the club to guard the horn. I should have been there with Vadim. I should have been there with you. It's, it's just like then. My blood is boiling. Vadim is dead. I'm looking for that woodpile and for daddy's axe. My, my all my love, Cyrus. Cyrus. Oh, um, no, I, I'm just sending a letter out to my sister. Um, you didn't hear any of that, did you? No, no, no. Uh, just the last sincerely from there on out. It's all that was all. Can we come in? Or, yeah, yeah, I, right. I'm good. Uh, excuse me. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, whenever I write letters home, I, I sometimes I get the same way. So, yeah, take your time. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I stand up and I start brushing myself off and okay. fixing my tie. All right. Well, quite the, quite the day, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll start getting getting everything in order. I have a slight concern. Now that Vadim's dead, that means that I own the horn. Okay. And as we've seen with the other artifacts, the dreams are rather strong. So, I'm a bit concerned about that. 
Fuller, uh, your reasoning is that the horn is now uh, your possession because uh, of the fiscal role that you played in its yeah, we collection. bought it together. If he's dead, that means that the horn is going to consider me the sole or owner, I would assume. Well, we don't know that all the artifacts work the same. Uh, after all, uh, Felix also suffered um, unusual nightmare last night. Yeah, I mean, I don't want the thing. I'm just saying that I was afraid that it's going to, that I could be the next target of whatever. I'm just, yeah, it, 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 this might be a matter of proximity, given that the two of you who fell asleep next to it. You're, you're right. I mean, we don't know for sure. I'm just thinking. Yeah. Well, we wanted to get it into safe hands. I'd like to document it first. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not at all arrested myself. Um, I, you know, do we think that if we take it to the museum that we'll never get it out again? Probably. And do we think that, that what happened to Vadim had anything to do with the children? See, that was going to be my first question when I saw all of you. If it is the children, they'll pay. Well, whoever did it is going to pay dearly. But here's the thing is, is we didn't see the mutilation of the body. We didn't hear of any notes stuffed down the throat I'm not inclined to believe that this was the children of tranquility I believe this might be Savaggio and his people do, uh, do does anyone recall uh, how much uh, Lord Brightman's resident was ransacked I feel like really the only thing that was taken was his Naboo and the place was largely intact. Whereas yeah. we understand that Vadim's place was torn apart, which is perhaps another reason to think that it's not that well, our it's, urban friends. It's not like the children of tranquility have been shy to this point. Exactly. I, I want to say it's probably not, but we can't rule them out yet. I'd say Savaggio or I'm gearing towards Savaggio. Or possibly Guido. Right, or whoever Savage was working for. That yes, we don't. We figure that Vadim, what did he call him? The adapt, the... He had, a, he had, a, he had, a, you know, he had his pet theory about the mastermind. Oh. Anyway. That, that unknown mages behind everything. Uh, regardless, we've got to dispose of the thing somehow uh, uh, in a way that's not going to bring about an apocalypse. So the question is, do we want to reach out to the children of tranquility or do we think that um, they can no longer be uh, privy to what we know or have or do. I think well, they might be the only ones who actually know what to do with this. Here's the thing is, if we, if we contacted them and talked to them, not mentioning the horn, then if they bring up the horn, then they would have known 
that Vadim had had it. I don't know how public the auction was, if they had any spies there or not. But I'm just thinking, do they know that Vadim had the horn? That would mean that they possibly could have been one. Um, however, I don't advise giving it to the museum for the simple fact is, look at how many missing artifacts that are from the museum already. They don't have the security to keep it safe. Right, you have a point. A, they'll either lose it, or B, they'll want to keep it forever. Or C, they'll put it in as part of their reconstructed temple, and that's right. the thing that we're trying to prevent from happening. Um, so uh, I'll uh, I'll uh, ring for Sykes and and uh, and send uh, another message uh, into the newspaper advertisements and try to make an arrangement with the Shelter of Tranquility to meet at Trafalgar. Okay. What time of the night or day is it? Well, it's morning now. It's morning, okay. Yeah, I think we were at breakfast when we tried to reach Vadim and then we went to his house and then we probably took a, a bit of time to do all of that. So it might actually be midday at this point. Has Vadim's family been informed? We were leaving that to the police and to his servant. Are we, are we going to go and meet with Raven Price? Uh, yeah, it seems like it would be appropriate at the very least to tell him what uh, what's happened in case he hasn't heard. It's not like it's in the paper yet. We might want to tell him that uh, when they killed Vadim, that they stole the horn. So that way, he's not thinking that we're holding out on him. That might not be a half bad idea. I'm not certain as to why we both are feeling so suspicious of him, except that we are still looking for a party in the know. Oh, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. It's not that I think he might be, quote unquote, the bad guy. But like I said, the museum has piss poor security. If we let the horn go back to the museum, it's going to get stolen by whoever was trying to get it to begin with. I mean, if it was Rayburn Price, then the horn wouldn't have gone missing in the first place. If he was the bad guy, the horn would still be there. Fuller, There's do an idea roll. What's oh. that? ID roll? Who? Yeah. Fuller. You. Ah, I made it. It's regular, but I made it. Um, Theodore Rayburn Price is not necessarily associated with the, with the museum at all. I mean, he's a private collector, and he's a rich guy. He's gotten you involved in this because uh, Nevi Selsabuck came to him. Um he's not like working for the museum or anything like that. I think he was confusing him with the guy who's doing the translation. Oh. Weems? No. Means, sorry. Means. Yeah. So far, Rayburn Price has been the guy that's been helping you collect your data and pull it all together and keeping his eye out for weird things going on so that he can alert you. Could you be confusing Campbell Price and Rayburn? Campbell Thompson and Rayburn? Rayburn Price? Look, I, I mean, all I know is this. 
This horn cost Vadim his life. Anybody you give this horn to is made a target. This horn, I think, should stay in our presence until we fi <clears throat> until we figure this whole thing out. Vadim died for this damn thing, and we need to find out how this is going to help end this whole nightmare because it's been a nightmare since that day at the last funeral. It's been nothing but a goddamn nightmare for all of us. Can I ask you a quick question? Um, some housekeeping here. Uh, Fuller and Felix, last night you had nightmares. How much sanity did each of you lose? Do you recall? I didn't lose anything. Just the whatever the... I, I passed my sanity test, so it was just whatever your point or whatever that is. Was it like one point then? Yeah, I believe it was, but I mean, I didn't fail the test. And Felix, you? I think I ended up losing three. Okay. All right, sorry, you can go back to the game. Um, Theodore Rayburn Price also came by last night, and you told him that the horn was in the bank or in a safety deposit box or something like that. Yeah, we told we him the bank. We agreed to show it to him at the museum. But we uh, lied. It or was somewhere. We agreed to we show it to him. Like we I said, he's not, he's not associated with the museum yeah. here in this building. Right. We agreed to show it to him today, I think at 10 o'clock. But of course, uh, Vadim's death obviates that promise for the time being. Um, although maybe we want to uh, get his advice. We might as well just... You well, want to see... Oh. Yeah, after I, after I ask Flex for the phone, I'll ask if, if Mr. Rayburn Price is has shown up at the club today, and if you'd like to s discuss the unfortunate news with us. Um, actually, when Sykes comes in to hand you the phone, uh, he also hands you a small sheet of paper that in fact does say that Mr. Rayburn Price uh, needs to speak with you all upstairs concerning Vadim's death. So the word's gotten around. There's other people talking about it. That... So, so what do y'all want to do? Just show him the horn and see where it goes from there? I think yeah. we should leave it locked up in here um, rather than take it if he's summoned us upstairs to talk about Vadim. We don't have to have a show and tell at the same time. That seems rather unseemly. Okay. So let's go up and talk to Raymond Price. Okay. So the four of you head upstairs to uh, Theodore's office and uh, give it a light knock. Uh, please, please come in. And once again, to your surprise, as you enter the door, uh, just like a few weeks ago or a few months ago, uh, there's a woman in his office. Um, a uh, rather elegant-looking female with uh, uh, a black uh, black hair and a bob cut, uh, not not too dissimilar from uh, Nevi Selsebuck. Um, she's dressed rather stylish, though kind of in that flapper style. And uh, he says, "Please, please come in." 
Uh, allow me to introduce uh, Miss Jane Griffith Selkirk. Selkirk. Um, uh, Miss Selkirk was a good friend of Vadim's, and it would seem that Vadim has been confiding some of his information in her. So she's already at least partly aware of some of the difficulties you all have had. Hmm. Tom, remind me of this. When we first started playing this game, you laid out the Wentworth Club. Mm -hmm. And you talked about if females were playing. Is she in a place that women no don't normally get to in the club? Yes. Okay. Although the Wentworth is unusually progressive and that it has some female members. It has, well, we early, it has seven members, but normally they're confined to the first and the first floor and the library on the second floor. Sorry, English, English terminology, the ground floor and the, the library on the first floor. So this person is important because she's in a place that she does normally should be. Right. She's important enough to bend the rules, is what I'm trying to get at. Well, shake her hand and greet her. Go through the introductions. Pleasure to meet you all. Uh, I'm sorry that, uh, that you have to uh, share with us this loss. Mm. Yes, it's... Indeed. I also have to say that I mean, one never suspected that uh, that the danger would get to this point, but uh, you've all faced a great deal of danger in the past, and we know that what we're up against is very serious indeed. Um, I'm pretty convinced that this all has to do with the Horn of Alu. Oh, I think it's beyond question. Um, the, it would be a, a most astonishing coincidence. Um, there were very many uh, parties who showed a, an, a healthy interest in the artifact. Well, I want to say that, you know, I have been researching Sumerian magic for years. And by the description, it seemed the one thing completely out of place in this whatever it is, plot uh, involving these artifacts. The Horn of Alu shouldn't have anything at all to do with Naboo. And my guess is that it may hold the key to stopping whatever is taking place. And perhaps oh, yeah. that's why the, uh, the enemy, as we shall call them, is after it. They want to neutralize it. Uh, have you retrieved it from the, uh, the bank? Um, the bank, I'm afraid, was a, a bit of a ruse on Vadim's part. Uh, we've had it the whole time under personal guard. Oh. Hmm. Um, I'm afraid that uh, and again, um, you know, this was what we thought a clever gesture last night was that Vadim pretended he took the box that we took it out of the out of Sotheby's home with him, oh dear. hoping to distract any unwarranted attention. And it seems that that was all too 
successful. Oh my. Yes, which no doubt means that you guys are being followed and watched. Mm. Yeah. I'd say we have been for quite some time. Well, I, if you have the horn, I should like very much to at least take a look at it. There may be some clue that will lead us to understand what it, how it could be used to thwart the enemy, as it were. You think for some reason that it is, um, that the enemy wants to have it. I think that whatever, whatever nefarious thing they're up to, they need the artifacts from the temple, except for that one, which is the thing that will, that was keeping them from keeping this from ever happening before. It's obvious that, uh, that uh, Reginald's uh, moving of the temple and all of its contents is what's provided them the opportunity. Oh, Reginald's. Reginald's. I'm sorry, what's his name? It's um, Campbell Scott Thompson. Campbell. Yeah, Campbell Thompson. But isn't it Reginald? Reginald too, isn't he? Right. Not uh, this Reginald. That's all I'm saying. Not I'm this not Reginald. <laughs> mm. um, right. What, uh, and you think that they have the cat's eye opal already? I don't know. That's also missing. We're keeping our eyes open for that. Well, uh, gentlemen, should we invite uh, Mr. Rayburn Price and Ms. Uh, Griffith Silkirk to see this thing that has cost us all so dearly? I'll just run down and get it. There's no, there's no reason to go all the way down there. Just go bring it up. All right. So... Fuller, you go downstairs to get it. Um, perhaps Miss uh, Miss uh, uh, Griffith Selkirk can explain how she knows Vadim. Please, well, um, myself and Vadim have been uh, friends for many years. Um, what's the best way to put it in in uh, well? We, we met in school a long time ago and uh, been, been connected ever since. And Vadim has been a good friend and we have discussed many things over the years. Um, and he's, he's been forthright with his, with his um, shall we say, his, uh, his pursuits. And it, I've always found it rather fascinating. And I've been a good ear to him when it comes to uh, things that uh, most people don't quite understand. Well, at least, so he had filled you in on the last few months? Yes, he, he has little by little told me about... Uh, the situation and what's going on. I don't entirely understand it, but um, I've, I found it rather interesting. Um, never thought it would come to this. And you somehow um, don't think that we're all mad? Well, I can't say one way or the other. Um, I definitely knew that Vadim was not mad in the slightest, um, which put some credence to it. So I 
I couldn't I couldn't say that, it, that, that this is an issue of madness, although it is rather odd. Woman. Hmm? You're a very open-minded young woman, then. Well, in my trade, you have to be a little open-minded with uh, your clientele and such, and uh, it's, uh, I guess, rubbed off in other areas. You're a tradeswoman of some sort. Yes, I do uh, fashion design, uh, primarily. Um, design, and I also have opened up a uh, shop that uh, sells clothing. Uh, based along my designs and uh, a few other pieces from uh, other designers uh, trying to get the word out about their uh, designs and stuff. There's quite the, quite the uh, market in modern, modern fashion these days, especially in England. So, mm. That's not how you met Vadim, though. No, no. I knew Vadim quite, quite, uh, quite a number of years beforehand. Oh, yes. You said school. In school. Right. Yes. When he... Uh, he attended school at, uh, well, at uh, Oxford. Well, I certainly hope you don't intend to um, occupy, in any sense, Vadim's place in our little uh, investigation, as we've discovered. We've mm -hmm. known for some time that it's extremely dangerous, and now we've known that it's, in fact, entirely lethal. I think it would be very unbecoming for a lady of your delicacy and charm to be involved in such a thing. True, but... Um... Perhaps I could be of, of assistance in uh, other areas. Since me and myself and Vadim have uh, have been involved in this to a to a degree, I certainly wish to respect his uh, memory and wishes. Yes, and there's a few things that I'm seeing uh, with the last time myself and Vadim uh, came together that uh, coming into place. Um, it's interesting. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, but I'm beginning to see what he was getting at when it came to, especially this horn of a loo. He uh, recently he recently uh, confided in me about the uh, pursuit of this artifact, and um, and it's uh, rather that it led to all this. Um, I do feel rather connected in, in, I do wish to help this situation despite the obvious um, danger. And um, being connected with various uh, social circles, perhaps um, I could assist, especially in some areas where uh, you gentlemen cannot uh, easily enter. Ah, Mr. Albright's returned. Yes. Ah, just a horn. May I see it? My goodness. Wow. Of course, it's all covered in jewels and things like that. Yeah. And he sets it down on the uh, the table and gets out his magnifying glass. There's uh, there's cuneiform here. Do you see? Yes, and as expected, there's no mention at all of Naboo, so that connection has failed. We should get this translated. Um, do, you think that, um, do you think that Dr. Weems is entirely up to the task? The last times we've seen him has been rather 
Uh, well, from what you've said, he seems very on edge. Very much so. Um, uh, I, from what I understand, you're rather accomplished yourself, aren't you? Just give it a bit of time. I think I should be able to uh, make a, uh, a I have quite a few um, texts in my private library at my residence. Would you consider bringing this here, bringing this there? Uh, perhaps we can work on it together. Do you really want to put yourself in that kind of danger? Well, I think that the danger comes from the fact that you all went to the went to the auction. You were all seen. Uh, as far as I know, I've sort of kept into the background. Nobody really knows that I'm involved at all. So why don't you just bring those texts here? Because if we go to your house, we'll be seen going there, and you'll, you will be the next target. Well, perhaps. No, I do uh, think Mr. Finley there has a good point there, sir. Uh, the, less, the less that is known, the better. All right. Um, of course, they all know that you come here as well. Perhaps there is a more secure or, how should we say it? I presented quite a, quite a difficulty. Yes, I figure here the club is always staffed. There's always members mulling around. It's private entrance, so no outsiders can get in. seems to be the most secure spot for now at the very least and i would pass word on to the front desk that any guests that come in over the next week should be triple checked well i'm not sure that we can justify something like that it's uh, we just had one of our two of our club members murdered in less than a three-month period. I think we could justify whatever we damn well like. I think that uh, here may be a, a fairly decent place to do this, but is there someplace else, someplace maybe that nobody else knows about, someplace that we can all get to covertly without being mm -hmm. followed? Take you to the hospital? Hmm. I have their own concerns there, and I certainly don't want to take it anywhere near the museum. That's probably a good call. What's happened to uh, Punchin's flat? Oh, I have no idea. Probably uh, after it was, it would have been sealed up, and then uh, if he'd had family, they would have been contacted. I don't think they had family. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And he's, uh, you know, he's alive and well and could eventually be rehabilitated. It might be empty and he might even have useful texts inside. That's possible. In fact, he might very well have some, some very useful texts mm. there. How is Professor Punchin? Uh, Vadim mentioned him. He seemed to be in rather awful sort. Oh, yes, uh, we haven't uh, seen him for a while. He's mm. under high security. Um, he also had an attempt on his life. Yes, I had heard that. A second, two attempts on his life, in fact. Mm. Sadly, in fact, both 
attacks were meant to keep him alive, but not in any condition that he'd want to be. Mm. At any rate, I think it'll be some time before he's recovered. Yes. Perhaps we should all just take a trip to the country. Does anyone uh, have a secure country home? Or notably private? Actually, I do. I have one uh, about uh, an hour and a half from here that uh, is quite secluded. It would be a trick to uh, to get us all out of the city. Well, I don't know. If we, uh, one car looks more or less like any other car. If we were- I should say it would be a great deal easier to keep an eye on the perimeter in a country house than it is in the middle of town. The the place I'm thinking of my uh, uh, my my I don't know what to call it manor house is uh, probably the closest other house is uh, five hundred three six hundred mm. feet away. I don't know if they used feet back then, but <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe five yeah five hundred. I'm sorry, I think it's five hundred yards actually. That seems more more appropriate. And quite, it's in a wooded, wooded, secluded area. Uh, if you're firmly of the impression that translating this promptly will uh, move things forward, I uh, have no objection whatever to your hospitality. I think that it may be. It's, a, it's our best clue so far. And keeping it away from them, nobody's going to know where we are. The trick would be to get up there unseen. Well, we won't use the chatting wagon. Some of us can take a train, I'm sure, to a nearby village and be picked up. Jane, do you have a vehicle of your own? I do, yes. You seem like the sort of young woman that would drive. Jane's not involved in any of this, so people driving with her might not even be remotely suspected. That might not be a bad idea there. Might be something we could use. If you all are being followed, having someone who is not part of the party could be uh, an asset. Well, yes, as far as we know, neither uh, neither are you, Mr. Raven Price, nor or you, Griffith Selkirk, have uh, any known connection. Mm-hmm. So we really reduce the um, the number of links, uh, and they certainly can't be following everyone all the time. Well, Mr. Matthews, who looks like, like somebody who can drive a car through a city and lose a tail? Uh, well, we also need to be here for uh, the funeral services before we do anything. I don't believe the funeral services will be for a couple of days. Yes, it'll be it'll be the better part of a week before things are arranged. Does he have family coming from away? Oh uh, yes, I believe so. Um, Quite a few. Uh, I believe that he has uh, family in the diaspora, so they'll be coming from Paris. They'll be coming from uh, other parts of Europe. Not from Russia. I don't think that they can get out so easily in Russia right now. 
not if they're still there. Um, well, I'm uh, I'm all for having a healthy lunch and then um, wrapping this thing up uh, very carefully and getting on the road. I pick up the horn. Okay, that'll come in handy in the car. Mm. You know, I am curious about something. If they're afraid of this so much. Maybe we should just blow it and see what happens. I'm not exactly sure you could blow it. Um, it is hollow. Uh, well, it seems it, to be more ceremonial than anything else. Oh, I thought you said it looked like it could be played as a musical instrument. Sort of does. I certainly think that's not an experiment we want to try before. Mm, I actually, I actually think it's a fantastic on it. idea. I, I think it's a wonderful idea. Fuller, give it a blow. I, you know, it's, it's an antique. Be extremely careful. I yeah, I'll give it a blow. Go for it. But I think uh, if everything we've seen here or come across has been rituals and, and spells and, and yada, crow juice. and So I think it should only be done at the appointed time for that to actually have an effect. All right, it's too late. I already blew it. So. So, Fuller, I need you to do a power roll. All of our eardrums are shattered. You made it? Yeah, I made it. Uh, now I need you to do a musical talent roll. Well, I have no musical talent. Oh. So I'll give you one point as a, ta as a talent. If you get an 01... Oh, four. <laughs> Spend some luck. Spend yeah. some luck. Spend some luck. <laughs> no. Nothing happens. Uh, see, I didn't think anything would. All right. So, won't we get this meeting? All right. Well, the, the, the town is called Offerford. Um, I'll point it out to you on a map, and he does. It's, uh, we'll say that it's uh, west of London, out in the country. Now, if you intend on making sure that nobody's following you, like I say, most cars in this day and age kind of look the same. They're all black. They're all, you know, um, once you're sure that you've lost any, any kind of tail that's following you, then head out of town. Uh, if you head out of town first, then once you're out into the countryside, there's not many roads that you can hide to, to get away from people. That said, it's also pretty obvious if somebody's following you. Right. All right. Uh, and what time... It's going to take at least an hour and a half to get there. Yeah, I uh, think we're going to lunch first. It must have been late morning at the least. Well, early afternoon uh, we leave. How do we want to divide this up? I can make it there uh, in, in uh, I can leave fairly soon. Uh, when would you all like to meet there to this afternoon? All right. And um, 
who is going to be the guardian of the uh I guess I will. I'm going to make a suggestion. I know that I know that you all are quite antsy and 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 and, and, and untrust untrusting of everyone uh, and as well you should be. But the enemy knows that you have the horn. One of you has the horn. If I had the horn, nobody would know. Nobody has any idea that I'm involved. Or perhaps Miss uh, Miss Selkirk. Okay. Logical. But I understand if you want to go another route. The two of you could take the horn, and we... The four of us could meet you there. All right. Or perhaps, uh, Reginald, perhaps Reginald and I could go, since we could begin translating once we get there. Hmm, that seems uh, quite reasonable, actually. Uh, and that way, one of us will be with um, you, uh, should anything untoward occur. Um, and uh, we can stick to vehicles that they can't recognize, like yours and, and Miss Jane's. Yes, exactly. Now, we all know what happened to Vadim, and we now know this is they're playing for keeps. I highly, I don't even suggest, I'm demanding everyone here carry a firearm. I have been carrying a firearm since about a month ago. <laughs> Just in case. Uh, Jane, do you carry a firearm? I am armed. Yeah. A lady's got to watch herself in this day and age. You know, I'm proficient with a Derringer, but I don't own one. My life before the last six months was rather sedate. Um, Felix, do you by any chance have something in the order of a Derringer that I could borrow? I actually don't own a firearm at all at the at current time. I'm uh, I usually just use my wit and charm, which gets me very far and keeps me out of a lot of trouble. That Depending and, on the pub in question. That and very deep pockets. Well, may we get a couple of shotguns and a couple of pistols before we go up? Not a bad idea. For those who do not really know how to use a firearm, a shotgun is fairly simple, widespread, point and click. Quite appropriate country use. Although, again, a handgun is not something I'm unfamiliar with. I myself own a pair of uh, 1912 Mausers, and I open my coat, and they're hanging here. In my house, I have a couple rifles. Well, Reginald and I then will leave and uh, head to the house. Uh, we'll bring the horn with us. And then uh, the four of you can follow this afternoon. Uh, Cyrus, if you need to get some weapons, um, please, you know. I do believe that I've got some hunting rifles at uh, my residence, uh, since that's why we go into the country anyway. We go to hunt. Correct. Often we hunt crow. 
Excellent. I must started. explain to me this whole thing of crow juice. That is something that Vadim uh, failed to mention. Reginald will fill you in on the write-up. Very well. When this is all over, it should be a drink at uh, at the club. Crow juice. Absolutely. absolutely. Not, not literally, I mean. Juice and black currant juice and gin. There you go. Vadim's crow juice. Mm -hmm. Does sound right. interesting. So, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, this plan will go into action. Felix, I need to get an axe. A very sharp axe. I think I've got one at the house. Matter of fact, I'm sure I've got one at the house. It's in the tool shed. Excellent. All right. So, probably uh, within a half an hour or so, um, Reginald, you and uh, and uh, Theodore Rayburn Price, um, you leave in his car out the back. Um, you're pretty sure nobody's seen you. Uh, you've got your cloak up, so it it doesn't look like you know you, nobody's there to recognize you. Uh, he asks you, uh, do you want to go by your house to pick up some things? Uh, I believe that uh, the uh, cuneiform uh, um, textbooks, as it were, that I've been working with are all here at the club. So I can take those in a satchel uh, separate from the loose bag that the horn and its stand are in. All right. So uh, maybe I'll have you know, phoned home to tell the cook that I'll be away. Okay. And things locked up tight. So then you head out. Uh, despite the gravity of the situation, it's a rather pleasant drive uh, out into the country. You have an interesting conversation with Theodore Rayburn Price. Uh, he's quite knowledgeable. Uh, it would seem that he has, uh, he has been researching uh, the occult uh, as far as uh, Sumerian uh, mythology and magic. Of course, this is one of his favorite things. That's why he's a part of the club in the first place. Um, he tells you that he's got, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'm telling you what he's telling you. Uh, I, I have quite a collection. Uh, and he, leaves, he is not entirely uh, above board. As you know, uh, we, some of these things we need to keep for ourselves and to study them. I assure you everything is well kept. Uh, I even have a few uh, small cuneiform tablets that contain protection spells, if it were. Uh, I think that we'll be fairly safe in uh, keeping this horn there. Um, and uh, do you know this, uh, this protection spell that Punchin was trying to use that involves three differently colored stones? Well, from what you told me, it sounds very interesting. I, uh, I would certainly like to find out where he obtained this from. Well, I have, the, I have what uh, documentation he left behind. Uh, we can experiment with that. It didn't, of course, protect him from uh, what befell him, but that was not a human agency. Oh, didn't you say that uh, that uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Albright had a text that he discovered there as well that contained a spell similar to, uh, to this? Yes, from a different origin, something Latinate, so we can compare them. 
well, perhaps uh, we, we need whatever kind of protection we can get. You know, uh, in, uh, in Sumerian uh, mythology, uh, things like demons and angels and mystical beasties, there's not much you can do to harm them unless you have spiritual defenses. Your, uh, your Mr. Finley his, and his crow juice seems to have been uh, one of those defenses. Yes, it's just frustrating how you can try to appease one god that fades into another god, depending on a century or a locality. Yes. Well, I do have a small statue of Pazuzu. Hmm. Uh, perhaps, uh, yes, perhaps we can use one demon to defend off another. That's what the Sumerians would have done. And off you drive. All right. What are the four of you guys going to do? Drive to this town. Yep. We're going to take uh, Jane's car and drive. You didn't want to get weapons or something before you um, left? Or? I'm stopping by my place for more practical uh, clothes and uh, a few items, including weapons. I'm already loaded, so I don't need weapons. Okay. Felix, you need a weapon, correct? I'll just sit in the back. I'm good. Very well. All right. So that takes you all of an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and then you're ready to leave as well. So right about, we'll say 4 p.m., Reginald and Theodore Rayburn Price arrive at a very nice manor house. Um, it's surrounded by, by property and woods. There's a large, uh, almost park-like area back behind the house where there's grass. They could uh, have uh, garden parties and stuff out there as well. And there's a forest off in the background. He says, now my nearest neighbor, and he sort of points into the woods. He says, you can't see it through the woods, but it's in that direction. Uh, Miss, uh, Miss Sylvia uh, Kale Bottomworthy Toxic slash <laughs> I don't know, I'm making up a name. Uh, I knew the Bottomworthy Toxics. Uh, I knew the <laughs> Jasper Bottomworthy Toxic uh, some years ago. Very, you had a very grumpy aunt, I recall. That's Claudia. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But uh, yeah, I like the privacy a great deal. Uh, any any vehicle trying to approach this residence should be quite obvious. Yes. That's... And from the second story, you can see quite a ways down the road. Excellent. I'm uh, also looking forward to seeing your artifacts and your library. All right. So he takes you inside. He parks the car. He takes you inside. Um, uh, he has a couple of servants uh, who he alerted before you left so that they would know to, to have everything ready, have the beds ready, have them aired out, have the rooms aired out. Um, uh, it's a beautiful place, uh, exactly what you would say. Uh, however, it's kind of stark. He's not here a lot, so there's not a lot of fancy furniture. Um, he does have a study on the second floor. Uh, with uh, his collection, uh, which is 
you know, he says rather extensive. It's it's not much more than, you know, what you'd ex- what you saw from some of the other people you've seen. He has a room with a lot of things in glass cabinets. Uh, he shows you the little cuneiform tablets uh, that he he reads them to you because he's these have been translated, and it's basically blessings from various gods to uh, keep safe the occupant of the house and things like that. Um, and his desk, which he does have heaps of things that he's been working on and translations of things, or he's he he does some translation from the Greek. Uh, as well as the Sumerian. And uh, he makes you comfortable. He shows you which room you're going to be staying in and uh, make sure you have some refreshments and then you let's get down to it and start doing this. They should be here soon. Within an hour. Uh, you know, I, I, we had had, um, we were, we counted generally on Vadim for documentation and photography of things. I'd like to get if you have the equipment, some good photographs of the ah, horn. That's a good idea. Uh, I'm afraid my camera's not a very good one. Uh, it's just an old brownie, but I'm sure it would suffice. We don't have any way of... Uh, of um, Developing here. Yes, we'd have to take it back into the city. Right. Well, uh, you know, to safeguard against any lossage, we might as well photograph it first and then begin to work from the object itself. Okay. Uh, and let's set out our various, you know, translation texts and compare them and see. Right. You know, so can we set up a nice work table just specifically for this? Yeah. That'll help us organize it. I'd like to be expedient. Okay. So you guys begin doing that. Uh, the other four of you, the same thing. You, you get something to eat, you leave, um, you start down on the road. You, you do what you think you need to do in order to avoid anyone following you. And when you're pretty sure nobody's following you, you head on out toward on the road that uh, Rayburn Price explained to you you should take. Um, after an hour and a half or so on that road, uh, you turn down a lane of trees, and up ahead you can see the manor house, which must be Rayburn Price, uh, Theodore's house. You can see Theodore's car parked there. You pull up. Hmm. Gentlemen, I hope it was not a bumpy ride for you. It was all right. Good, good, good. I have been driving for a number of years, so I uh, like to pride myself as being uh, very adept at the automobile. Hmm. (laughs) So you go up to the front door, you ring the bell, the... uh, the butler, uh, Mr. Jeez. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at words on my wall and I'm seeing things like switchblade, screaming, <laughs> weeping, laughter. Wyndham. Mr. Deafness. <laughs> Mr. Stanilaski. Pleasure to meet you. Mr. Stanilaski. Okay, Mr. Stanilaski. Um, he says, uh, please come inside. Uh, Mr. Price is expe- ex- expecting you. Uh, you're shown inside. Once again, you notice almost immediately that uh, it's a fairly large house, a large room. Uh, it's not very decorated. There's a few few knickknacks here and there, but for the most part, 
there's a couch, there's a fireplace. Um, you can see that off the main room, there's a conservatory, uh, which under normal circumstances should be filled with green plants, but there's nothing out there but some empty pots and, and stuff like that. You're not sure that, that uh, Theodore Rayburn Price has owned this place for very long. Um, it looks old, looks like it's at least 50 to 100 years old, but, and it's been fairly well kept. It's just not, he's not married, so nobody to decorate. And he said he rarely uses this, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, almost immediately you're shown upstairs to uh, Theodore's study and uh, you're allowed inside. Ah, you've arrived. Excellent. Um, Reginald and I have been working very hard at this, and we've gotten at least part part of the translation. Um, I think within the next hour, we should have the whole and complete translation. It's definitely uh, dedicated to Alu. Make yourselves at home. Uh, I assume we're all going to stay here tonight, so you're all shown to rooms. Okay. So you guys have... Mr. Stanislavski, send us uh, another pot of tea. Of course. Yeah. Really good. Bert, send us some more tea. <laughs> of course, my uh, 10 bags, rather large, have been... Piled up You're given one me. of the nicer bedrooms. Oh, that is good. Yes. Most Making sure my 10 bags are, are properly brought up. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't want to bring everything that you own. No, no, not on a, on a, on a couple days trip. Um, no, no, not if you've been watching this, I can feel free to uh, send their uh, messages and complaints to uh, Ford Fitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so after another hour or so, uh, it's done. Uh, Reginald, uh, why don't you read this to our friends? Let's see what they say. It's, uh, it's nice to work uh, with someone else on something like this so we can catch each other's spotty bits. All right, this horn, we believe, reads as follows. I, the high priest Abin Ashtu, invoke thee. Let the winged bull of Anu and Antu be bound within this horn. Alu, who is without eyes or mouth, who envelops like a garment, who lurks in shadows, who would stalk the land, troubling the dreams of man and robbing them of sleep. Let Alu be bound within resting and waiting, a secret guardian to keep safe this evil place. Let no man disturb the prison, or the living nightmare that is Alu shall rise up and destroy him. So another cheery warning. Now, does that mean he could be trapped in this horn already? Uh, that's as I understand it. Uh, you know, um, 
Or we I could know. trap the it. The question is what it means to disturb the prison. Whether we need to encase this whole thing in cement so it can't be blown by some errant fool or in some other ways used to invoke the or release the figure of Olu. It's all just very threatening. It's not, it's not um, unlike the, uh, the other shadow text, it isn't highly descriptive of precise behavior. It's just, uh, it just demands that we pre prevent it from being you know, disturbed, it says. I, uh, it definitely sounds like it's something that may have been put in place as a warning, maybe to people intruding into the temple. There's something else. Look here. Um, Reginald, do a spot hidden. Fifty-eight for sixty, eked it out. Well, he points to something on the horn, and it suddenly dawns on you that the inscription on the side, this 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 script, it's 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 carved into the horn in tiny little letters, is actually not from exact from the same period that the horn and the gold work and all of that is. That the the writing on it is newer than the horn itself, as if this was added to it at some point. Are there other incisions that are older? There, are, pic there are pictograms all over it showing. And the coloration of those is different. Yeah, slightly, it's darker. Oxidation and things. Um, does it look as though they could be, you know, less than a hundred years old oh, or no, they no. Look like it's it's some of it's 2000 years old and some of it's 1500 years old right they look like they're from a different time period uh you would you would date the horn itself to maybe 3000 years whereas the uh the, the inscription is definitely from a the language itself is from maybe 2000 BC. and the and the and the temple that Campbell Thompson discovered is more like 2,000 years old. Correct. Is that correct? Right. Um, do the, is there any, uh, do I know anything about the symbology of uh, the jewels? Is there anything, is there any secondary text in a sense in that? Um, some, okay, there's a, a couple of them that are missing. Um, most of them are uncut. They're just polished, shiny rocks. I mean, they probably are. They are probably valuable stones. It's just they didn't have the technology to cut them. Back. Right. And it's not like sapphires associated with a deity and right. Cobalt. They're all, all, all different, all different stones, all different colors. Yeah, so it's just a question of interpreting uh, what it means to disturb this residence and how we can prevent that from happening. As far as I can tell. As far as we can tell. Sorry. All right. So the evening wears on. What, what do you want to do? Or do you want to discuss something first or do you want to just? 
just to clear something up that's probably trivial, the stand that came with it is a completely modern invention. It's just something yes. that was a display thing. Yeah. Want to make sure of that. Uh, and is there someplace very secure that we can store this while we're at the country home? Um, Theodore Rayburn Price in his uh, study, he has cabinets that all lock, but they have glass fronts on them. Um, he seems to think that it should be put in the one that's got the, uh, the cuneiform tablets of protection. Because if there is any bad mojo, he wants to keep that under. It, you, you get the impression that he does believe in this shit. Not, maybe not all of it, but he's been studying it for years and years and doesn't want to just discount it as nonsense. I can see there's something comforting in, in putting a dangerous object near objects of protection. And as I'm looking over his collection, of course, I see nothing like a cat's eye opal. No. And he explains too that when, he, when he's in this place, he tends to sleep here because he sits at his desk and studies and then just falls asleep. That's his normal modus operandi. Uh, he doesn't think that he's slept in the bed in this house in years. So if you'd all want to, I mean, if you want to sit here with me, Reginald, and keep an eye on things, or well, I, I don't know what you all want to do. Mm -hmm. Um. Do I have copies of the text on Mr. Punchin's body? Yes. Uh, we could look over those. I think that might be um, instructive. There might even be some fragment that reflects back on the horn. Who knows? All right. So you spend some time doing that. Uh, what are the rest of you going to do? I'm going to, when I have a chance to see the other three, uh, I'm going to approach some gentlemen. Um, I would like to go for a walk in the garden. Would you like to join me? Actually, I wanted to take a nap because I plan on keeping a watch during part of the night. Uh, no, no problem. Mr. Albright, Mr. Matthews, would you like to join me for a walk in the garden? Sure. You go ahead. I've, uh, I've got something I want to read up here. So you go ahead. Thank you for the offer, though. No problem. All right. So, Mr. Albright and Mr. and and uh, Jane, uh, you go for a walk in the garden. Uh, you can see that uh, it's it's kept, but it's like there's no fancy flowers or anything like that. It's mostly hedges and and walkways, and uh, it opens up onto a green that stretches out maybe. Oh, 300 feet or so, and then there's a line of trees all the way around. Uh, there's a small fountain that's not running. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it looks like the place has seen better, gayer days, but uh, not in a while. Mm -hmm. um, Cyrus, you go upstairs and go to your room. And uh, what do you do? Lay down on the bed, climb into bed. First, I want to look out the window. Okay. See my vantage point from the window. If I could see the driveway or. Um, do a luck roll. Let's see which side of the house you're on. If not, Actually, I let's want. Do, what, you, what you can do is do a high low. 
Um, uh, 23. And if I can't, I would like to request a room change so I could see the uh, front okay. door. Well, let's just say then that you have the you have that side of the house. Um, do a um, do a spot hidden goal. All right, that's what I was going to say. I was going to search the room. Uh, ooh, eighty-eight. That's no good. No good. All right. So you go and take a look out the window, and you look down the lane. You don't see anything down there, and you go back and you sit down in a chair. Or do you sit on the bed, or what? What do you do? Um, I lay out my weapons. Okay. Uh, make sure, go over everything, make sure everything's in functional use. And then I do plan on taking a nap because I want to okay. be up part of the night. All right. So you lay down on the bed. We'll say it's currently 7 p.m. Okay. Um, uh, Jane and Fuller, you're outside on the bench. What do you do? Strawbright. was hoping to get at least uh, two of the others here with me and you, but uh, we need to talk. That's you, Jerry. Yeah, I, I <laughs> prompt unmute myself. I was like, unmute! Um, what would you like to talk about? Yes. Mm, Vadim spoke highly of his friends, and uh, I do feel that uh, I can trust you. I do hope to speak uh, with uh, Mr. Finley, Mr. Matthews, Mr. Harcourt at some point, but um, since we are alone, this is a, this is a good time to get, uh, as they say, the ball rolling in the conversation. Um, I am not just, uh, or shall I say, I was not just uh, Vadim's friend. Um, I am connected with his family, shall we say, um, a retainer of sorts. Okay. And uh, the word has already reached his family of his untimely demise. And uh, their responses, shall we say, very perturbed. They are not happy at the situation. Well, none of us are. Yes. Uh, they will be sending, uh, shall we say, um, a, uh, a formal letter to you all within, the, within uh, the next few days. But in the meantime, I have been uh, tasked by them to um, keep an eye on you. Okay. Um, also, uh, Mr. Mr. Brewster is, um, has been asked to, uh, be put in, uh, charge as an asset to uh, assist us. Well, that's always good to hear. No, very much so considering Mr. Brewster's, um, occupation beyond his uh his uh duties as a valet 
I'm still trying to get further information on the situation, but as I said, I was asked to keep an eye on you all and um, to inform you about Mr. Brewster, but here's something interesting, and I don't know if you all could fill me in on the situation, but Vadim sent letters to me and Mr. Brewster not too long before, before not too long ago, um, essentially sending us away. I found it rather odd considering that uh, the situation as he described it to me and very much so with Mr. Brewster. And I am uncertain why he did this. Well, we've basically had our lives on the line. Um, you know, there's a lot of death associated with what's going on. So mm. perhaps he did it to protect you. Perhaps, but I have a feeling there might be something else involved in this as well. Especially with Mr. Brewster. I don't see why he would have Mr. Brewster sent away, especially in a very dangerous situation that he was in. Let alone be at home alone. Just something I, odd that I, I do not understand at this time. It seems to me that Vadim had something else on his mind in regards to the situation, but I am uncertain. Perhaps, I mean, we worked together, but at the same time, we also worked on our own little project. So, you know, we're not exactly privy to everything that Vadim was thinking and doing. Well, let me leave you with this one little bit of information. Vadim's family is rather large. Not only does, did he leave his family, who he's very connected with, despite his, uh, his, his uh, isolative nature, but he also left a, um, well, someone who I guess you could say would have been a uh, fiance, would have been a fiance. And both Vadim's family and her family, um, they're not going to take this death lightly. You could say that they have a great interest in finding the, the person or persons who uh, murdered Vadim. Well, I can assure you that we all feel that way. Yes, well, just do keep that in mind and that perhaps along the way we, you, you might have someone who could assist you in your endeavors. Well, that's good to hear. Well, uh, it is still very early in the process of things. I'm sure we'll get formal letters very soon. Very well. All right. So you guys continue to stroll and walk outside. Uh, Cyrus, you have fallen into a light sleep. Um, Felix, uh, an hour and a half or so go by and you've uh, arrived back in London. 
nobody saw you leave. Perfect. Well, obviously I'm still in the car with Hoke then. He came and picked me up. So, uh, is it ready, Hoke? Uh, yes, sir. It's ready, Mr. Matthews. Thank you, Hope. Take us along the Thames. Yes, sir. So, uh, the car pulls away, and, uh, you look distantly out into the night. Hope navigates along Thames, passing the Temple, the London Bridge, the Tower, and the Mint, before pulling into the darkness of the docks. Uh, following the labyrinth of lanes and alleys past the West India docks, and finally, he arrives at the easternmost warehouse at uh, Millwall. Uh, as he makes the turn around the corner of the building, the headlamps dance across an open cab pickup, uh, briefly illuminating the two men inside. Hoke switches off the lights and turns the car around, facing the car uh, from where uh, uh, he had, you've both just arrived. Here is fine, Hoke. Uh, I'll be back in just a moment. Yes, sir. Shall I keep the engine running? That'll be fine, Hoke. Thank you. Yes, sir. Right from under the, from beneath the seat, I pull out a small wooden box. I exit the car and begin walking toward the guys in the truck, or towards the truck that's waiting. Uh, the two men exit, and they're coming towards me. So one has his hand over his pistol beneath his coat. The other has a large canvas duffel bag with straps clearly straining underneath the load. Mr. Matthews, Mr. McDonald sends his condolences. Be sure to thank him on my behalf. Rest your hand from your iron. I'm no threat to you. Huh. Never can be too careful. Mr. Matthews, I suspect we are under the watchful eye of your people as we speak. Never can be too careful. I Get see uh, you have it with you. Excellent. Yep. Very well, Mr. Matthews. So I raise the box up, click the two latches. Box opens inside. You can see there's a roughly 500 pounds stacked inside of this box. Very well. I... Uh, motion to the man, the other man, and he uh, comes forward and drops a large, heavy bag with a metallic thud. Uh, uh, Felix hands me the box, uh, and the second man steps away. Good evening, Mr. Matthews. Good evening. The two men turn and retreat to their truck. They start it and drive away. I'm going to motion to Hoke to back the car up to where That's I'm standing. Right. Opens up the trunk, the boot. I'll load, the, I'll load the bag into the car, into the trunk. Hoke, let's right, get to sir. the house. All right, sir. Yes, sir. And off they drive into the night. <clears throat> All right. Um, Reginald and... Um, Rayburn Price. Um, 
Theodore. Uh, you're you're looking over the uh, text, and, uh, and Theodore is like, I must admit, this is quite beyond me. Uh, I can see that you've had you you've said that you have memes working on it at the museum. It's it's quite difficult. This would take us months to to work out what it says. Yes, he's got um, bits of the text scattered all over the room in some sort of complex pattern trying to figure out. Uh, and, and, and I understand uh, that at least in the tradition, each time this uh, text is, is transformed onto another human, it's, it moves. It moves. And so it's, you know, it, that's what gives us such headaches is the context is impossible to understand. And memes has said that without it being in the proper order, it's extremely dangerous. Well, we shall not read any of this out loud to one another. Well, I was glad to find that there was no uh, prohibition on the horn regarding that, because I was I felt some concern in that regard. Uh, memes is, is extremely anxious that uh, no one mistakenly speak any of that text for fear of what it can happen what can happen as a result indeed um jane and fuller you come back into the house it's getting late what do the two of you do well if it's getting late i'm probably going to go to bed okay so you go up and go to bed jane going to go ahead and find a uh I just kind of walk around a bit and uh, look around the house and then kind of go upstairs and find a good vantage point to look outside the window for a while. Okay. Especially in an area where I would think Cyrus would not be looking. Um, kind of casually covering another side just to keep an eye out till I, till I need to retire. Fuller, you go up and you go to bed. Jane, I would like you to do a power roll. Reginald, I would like you to do power rolls. Made it. And I failed with a 97. Okay. Ooh. So, Reginald, you find yourself sitting there in the chair looking over a bit of uh, the scroll. And before you know it, your eyes are closed and you are sound asleep. Uh, Jane, mm -hmm. uh, as you're looking out the window, you are becoming quite tired, but you're managing to fight off the, uh, the the drowsiness. Well, that, um, at, at that stage, I'm probably going to go and 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 uh, fall asleep, and because okay. uh, I'm just being casual at this moment. All right, Cyrus, roll a twelve-sided dice. Twelve-sided. Twelve. Eight. All right. One second. I seem to have lost my place. Here we are. Eight. Um, you're lying in bed, and uh, you are suddenly awoken by a loud noise. Uh, you're not sure what it was. Was it a crash? Was it a, a 
bang from something. Um, you leap out of bed. Uh, you race to the door and you throw it open. And when you throw it open, there is what, for all intents and purposes, standing out your door is a malformed thing dressed somewhat like a street person, like some sort of beggar, except that it's, it's completely deformed in the face. It's half of its teeth are showing on one side. Uh, one of its eyes seems to be missing. And when you look a second time, you realize it has three arms and it's, uh, it's, it's sort of making this gurgling noise as it sort of lurches towards you. Its skin is pale white and its teeth are somewhat sharp. And as, as it sees you, it sort of opens like it's going to bite you. What do you do? Uh, sign of the check, right? Not yet. Oh, okay. Um, slam the door in its face and run for the shotgun. Okay. You slam the door in its face, and when you turn around, you suddenly realize there are maybe seven or eight more doors inside the room where you are, and you're disoriented. You don't know where you left the shotgun. Maybe it was in a closet. Maybe one of these doors is a closet. When you run to one of the doors, you can hear that there is something on the other side that is growling and scratching at the door. You run to another door, and it sounds like a huge snake or something is slithering outside. Uh, you can hear the doors begin to pound and begin to splinter and break. Now you can do your sanity roll. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 19, I pass. All right, take one point of damage. All right, yeah. Uh, I just start yelling. Get, get, get away from me, you foul creatures! Okay, but you seem to be locked in the dream. Fuller, uh, twelve-sided dice. And an eleven. Eleven. All right. Slowly, slowly, you open your eyes and you realize you're lying on the floor of a room. It's dark. It's not too dissimilar from the, the labyrinth that you were in before, except that the, there's only one door and it's locked. Uh, with growing horror, you realize that you are locked inside of a tomb underground. There's a slab where the body should go. You see uh, cuneiform runes etched into the walls. And there are desiccated bodies that are standing all around you, leaning up against the walls. The bodies suddenly jerk and creak uh, to life. They start to grasp at you. They try to hold you. Um, it's too real. You can smell their, their breath and feel their sharp fingernails on your flesh. You look up just in time to see the shadows before you, uh, to see the shadows before you coalescing into the form of a monstrous bull. 
which charges forward and gores you with its massive horns. As your own entrails drop to your feet, you can only scream impotently uh, to a sanity roll. Well, that escalated quickly. Um, let's see. What is my sanity? Yep. I made it. 1d4. Ooh. Oh, shit. Four. Okay. Um, Jane. Do a 12-sided dice, please. Seven. You wake up suddenly dripping sweat. Everything looks normal, but you can't shake the feeling that something is watching you. You head downstairs. If you can't sleep, you may as well make some tea. As you enter the kitchen, you realize there's something already there. With horror, you see that it's you drinking a cup of tea. Both of you suddenly race for the kitchen knives. Your doppelganger gets there first and plunges a knife into your heart. While you both scream, you wake up suddenly, dripping sweat. You realize everything is okay. Everything is normal. You might as well go downstairs and get a tough cup of tea. Go ahead and do a sanity roll. I made it. All right. Uh, uh, lose one point. Reginald. Do a 12-sided dice roll. I have rolled an eight. Eight. You find yourself awake, lying on the bed, but you can't move a muscle. It's, you tell yourself that it's a, it's a night terror. It's the kind that you, where you get that paralysis and, and if you just concentrate hard enough, you'll be able to move, but, but you can't move. You're lying prone in the dark. You can hear something just on the edge of earshot. You see flickers of movement of shadows all around you. Slowly, a lot noise gets louder and then suddenly you're released you you can get up you can sit up the noise hasn't gone away you uh you sit on the edge of your bed and you put your feet on the floor and you hear a crunching noise there's something on the floor and you look down and there are thousands of millipedes all over the ground. They're climbing up the bed. They're climbing up your legs. Do a sanity roll. Also screaming. Yeah. No, you can't scream. <laughs> I didn't read that part. <laughs> you want to scream, but you can't. I made sanity, though. I, I've got very sane after a recent event. Take one point of damage. 
they're all dreaming. They're all having horrible nightmares. And they seem to repeat over and over again. Sometimes they change. Sometimes they get worse. Uh, and, and in the midst of this, you begin to hear a screaming. You hear a man's voice screaming in the distance. Help me. Help me. Uh, Reginald, uh, you are suddenly violently awoken. You find yourself leaning over the table uh, with the cuneiform photographs in front of you, and half the room has been completely destroyed, and you can hear uh, Theodore downstairs screaming and just just like like a madman he's screaming and everything in uh, going towards the door looks like it's it's been destroyed i mean the 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 frame uh of the door itself has been smashed to one side and there's a huge ruckus going on downstairs and when i fell asleep he was still working right next to me but i hear his voice downstairs the rest of you do a power roll. Is the is the horn vis, is the horn in the wreckage or is yes. the horn in its case? The, the horn is still in the case on the other side of the room. Well, I'm heading downstairs. Okay. And if I can pick up. All right, uh, Cyrus, you remain completely asleep. Passed. Uh, uh, Jane, you start to to wake up uh, from these horrible nightmares, and you can hear crashing and screaming in the house. Uh, Fuller? I passed. Same with you. You're suddenly awoken by this, this horrible noise and just this tremendous crashing going on downstairs. And it's suddenly, uh, Jane, from where you're sitting or, or laying, you can hear outside someone out on the lawn, it must be behind the house, screaming and yelling and, and, and making all kinds of noise. It's a man's voice. It sounds like maybe Theodore Rayburn Price. Pull my gun and head outside. Same here. I'm doing that. All right. Uh, Reginald, you get down the stairs first, just as the other two appear at the top of the stairs coming after you. Uh, you can see just uh, the, the wake of, of damage in the house. Uh, cracked floor tiles and uh, the conservatory all made of glass uh, has just been smashed open by something going out. You also notice that outside uh, it's completely foggy and you can hear off in the distance, you can hear Theodore Rayburn Price just screaming. He's not saying anything. He's just screaming horribly. Um, obviously moving away from you all. I'm heading to the, to the sounds of the screaming. Yeah, I, I'm following. Again, picking up whatever the biggest club-like thing. Uh, Cyrus gave me a pistol, but I'm sure I'll it upstairs. Uh, is, the, is the fog lit by moonlight? Uh, there is a moon out, but it's so thick you can barely see that there's a moon. Got my torch with me, but it's probably not really showing very far. No, it, it, it makes it worse. The tiles are smashed, but are there any uh, marks other than 
is there any like is there a shape that's like a footprint or is there blood or is there a scoop like right underneath me as I move forward it, it doesn't look like it um, by now the servants have of course gotten up and uh, I, if you're if you're running outside of course you don't see the servants at this point um, you can hear from far away I mean you'd guess maybe a football field away, you suddenly hear a horrible scream and then everything goes silent. And, and uh, through the fog, can I see marks on the ground after I'm outside of the lights of the house? Do a, um, do a spot hidden. Oh, oh five. Okay. With your O5, you look down and you see uh, in the sort of soft, grassy uh, ground, you can see human footprints, uh, but they're, they're sh they've got shoes on. It's just one set, and uh, the, they're quite far apart as if the person is running, to, running as fast as they can. Oh, so it looks like he's being chased. Well, I'll follow those because that's the only, as best I can. I don't have, and I have no torch, so it's just going to be like, you know, immediate area. Right. Well, Jane Following catches Reginald. up to you. Jane catches up to you, and she's got a torch. Um, as long as you're pointing it down at the ground. Yeah. Uh, instead of straightforward, you're not blinded by the the glare. See, there's another one there. It's very damp. Yes. The uh, devil's makes... going on here. I, I, I shudder to think. It looks as though he was running from something, but he didn't smash through the walls. All right. You get to the edge of the forest. It's there, the woods. And you go a few feet into the woods and the footprints suddenly stop. Jane, shine your light up, please. Shine it all around. Way ahead of you. All right. Yeah, do we shine. hear anything in the air? No. But you shine your light upward, and there is a <coughs> broken off tree branch about four inches thick, and impaled on the tree, tree branch is Theodore Rayburn Price. Uh, do a spot hidden. Extreme, mod four. <laughs> oh my god, I rolled a hundred. Okay. Well, Fuller, you just turn, turn away. Jane, you realize that, he's, that his eyes are gouged out. Is he... Uh, rolls. That's a good point. He's uh, he's still shod, right? Yes. He's dressed as I last saw him. Shod in the in the clothes that he was dressed in just a while. Right. And he's uh, his his front is to the trunk of the tree, his or back. his back is to the just why you branches coming out like that. He's been and, and the branch was broken, so it was snapped, yeah. and he was stuck, right, by something. And you said how high? 
maybe 15 feet up. Yeah, I made my sanity check, but I'm, it should still hurt. Uh, no, I didn't make it at all. All right. Should I that page? I made it. And is there, are there anything? Did he, we didn't see any papers on the way following his trail. No. And he's not holding anything? Nope. Um, Jane, can I grab your torch? I just want to see if there are any footsteps beyond this, or uh, if you if you passed one d four, if you failed one d six. I rolled a one, but I'm going to take two because I just don't think that's a one. I mean, he we came here to speak. I took I took another four. Cyrus, although you don't know what's taking place, you suddenly wake up from your nightmares. You're sweating. You're out of breath. You feel exhausted, as if as if you didn't get any sleep at all. Uh, the house is quiet, except all of a sudden you think that you can hear someone downstairs. Well, I, first I would look at my pocket watch, see what time it is. Um, we'll say it's two in the morning. Now I'm alert because I had planned to only sleep for two or three hours. Right. So I'm dressed because I, you know, I'll put on my shoes because I okay. didn't sleep with them. Grab the shotgun and just walk out. As soon as you walk out the door, you see the devastation down the down the hallway from the, the room that uh, Reginald and uh, Theodore were in. And you see the servants downstairs from the balcony are holding, I mean, they're not, they're, they're looking around at the devastation downstairs, but you have no idea what's taking place. I look down the hallway to see if the other doors are all closed. They're all open. Door open. Yeah. So then I'm going to run down and what happened? What's going on here? We don't know ourselves. We were asleep, and all of a sudden, we woke to this. I'm going to run back to the house. There was yelling going on outside. Take a quick scan of the room. Is the horn still there? Well, that's that's upstairs. In I mean, that's oh, I thought they were downstairs doing that. No, uh, where outside? Where? Uh, out the gigantic hole. I'll, I'll start running out there then, and yelling for you know. Okay. Reginald, Jane, Fuller. And that you guys hear him. Uh, uh, Fuller, you meet Cyrus halfway. What the hell is going on? Thompson is dead. Keep going back to the house. Not Thompson. Uh, oh, sorry. Price is dead. Check on the horn. And That's then I, what I'm going for. I go towards, I'm sure I hear Jane and Reginald at this point. Right. I assume uh, I, sorry, I was going to say, I assume I run into a horrific show and I got to make a sound check now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My intent is to run back to the house and make sure the horn is still upstairs. 
Uh, you go upstairs, and in fact, the horn is right where it was. It's, it's one of the only things not smashed in the room. I'm taking it in hand and my pistol in the other hand and going to wait till the guys get back. I rolled an 11, so I passed, but I'm sure there's some still at least one or two points. Uh, you passed a 1d4. 1d4, okay. Um, Fuller, um, when you pick up the horn, it's cold. Like, un- like unnaturally cold, yeah. Oh, okay. What the hell? I mean, does it burn my fingers? Is it that cold? Or? Almost, yeah. And it, it warms up as you're touching it. Oh, okay. How high in the tree is he? 15 feet. So, not like no human could have. And there's no ladder, no rope, no. Right. How the hell did he get up there? Where's Felix? Is Felix with you? I haven't seen him. You know, maybe he drank himself to sleep. I don't know. Now I. Are you okay? Are you good here? Oh, yeah, we're great. I relatively. And I'm going to go looking for. Because no, we haven't you find seen him. Felix. No, anybody is missing. We should figure out who the staff Because the staff. Jane, catch. And I throw the shotgun to you. And I take off back towards the house. And there's and I I'm still using the flashlight. There's no indication of disturbance in the forest after where Thompson's body is. Correct. Ferns are okay. There's not any blood. There's just nothing. Well, there's blood. There's blood from. But after, but beyond where, yeah, his, no. where he was hurt, it just stops. The violence, you know, the thing that crushed the wall didn't crash through the forest afterwards. It just stuck him like a butterfly and then stopped. Right. That's what it would seem. Nothing right or left. No no marks in the marshy land. Okay. Um, Jane, we should go back to the house. We can't do anything until tomorrow. Tom, did I miss something? Was there a hole in the wall or something? Or yeah, just... the, whole, the whole glass conservatory was blasted out. Okay. I, I just thought That's there was right. like broken windows or something. No. There's a realize... I think we need to inform the authorities. How big is this hole in the conservatory? Something big hit the wall of the conservatory from the inside. And like a bear big? Or bigger. Bigger? bigger. Okay. The, I'm the, trying to gauge a size. I think the floor probably on the ground level was marble tile. Yeah. And it's smashed into... It's cracked in places. Meaningfully small bits. So this okay. was a... Huge. This was a really massive thing that could pick him up, that could terrify him, that he was not protected from, that could pick him up and um, murder him. Is anybody still with the body? Uh, Jane and I are just leaving, just turning away from it. I'm, I'm, I'm slow to leave. I thought. Yeah, but I was, I'm, I was encouraging Jane. But to I'm kind of, I'm kind of walking back, without turning my back to the body. 
do you have any kind of medical role? No, just first aid. Okay. We'll try our first aid role. Go ahead and roll that. No, didn't make it. Okay. So you guys all end up back at the house. Oh wait, who is going back? Oh, you're, you're, some of you are already at the house. Fuller, you're, you and uh, you're at the house with uh, checking on the horn. Oh, what do you do? So, I'm sorry to interrupt, Tom. Surely, um, with the trunk through the chest, the tree branch through the chest, and the eyes out, there's not. He's not breathing or anything. No, he's dead. Okay. Um, but why don't you do a spot hidden as well? No, I failed that one. Okay. Well, okay. When you arrive back at the house, you realize that Felix is not there. Now, does it look like sim <clears throat> similar? Like his stuff is in disarray? Has it been carried off? No, Felix's room is pretty much undisturbed. In fact, it's obvious that he didn't sleep. So I'm going to yell down, or I'm going to go down to the staff, the wait, the, wait staff, the um, house staff, mm -hmm. and where is Mr. Matthews? Has anyone seen him? Nope. Nobody's seen him. I'm going to go out and look for the cars. Are two vehicles are still out there? Yes, they are. Guys, I don't know where Felix is. And obviously the other man is dead. This is, I, I knew we should have just stayed at the damn club. Mm. Well, at least that eliminates him as, at least that eliminates him as a bad guy. Uh, it eliminates him quite, quite thoroughly. I know, I know. Uh, obviously, we have to inform the authorities. Yes, I don't think we can handle this sort of thing. Um, your best guess is that it'll take the authorities at least uh, an hour to get here. Is there even a phone line to this place? Actually, there's probably not. Yeah, so it's a question of sending one of the staff. There, there must be one vehicle either horse-drawn or gas-powered that they use to bring supplies in. They probably have their own car. Rayburn would have supplied them. Actually, they see, they don't stay here either. They right. drove they out here up. and told them. So they have Right, they came from the nearest village to warm the house up and put on a couple of pork pies for us. Um, they tell you that they can run to the constable of the nearest town uh, and then he can phone in as well. Um, it'll still and the staff must be in a state of abject shock as well, right? Yes, yeah. So we, we try to figure out who the most stable party is uh, uh, and ask this, them to, uh, to send someone out. Probably Bert. Stanislavski or whatever his name is. <laughs> Reginald, we 
I mean, we don't know what did this, but we know it was something supernatural. Uh, we might just wait till the morning and let them get it. We're going to send these poor people out to bring the constable to investigate something which he knows absolutely nothing about and can do nothing about. Well, it, uh, Cyrus, I quite understand your uh, concern. However, um, the staff, not having the experiences we have, will probably feel it very unusual if we all go to bed for the next few hours and then send them to the constable in the morning as if nothing had happened. You're right. It's waste of time, but they must come. Where the hell is Matthews? I hope he's okay. Uh, well, let's see uh, if his things are about. I didn't hear any other vehicle come or go. I mean, he could have gone off to the forest and had himself a moonshine serenade. <laughs> uh, I knew we should have stayed at the damn club. The horn, uh, Fuller, you do have the horn, correct? Yes. Wait, you have the horn? Yes. You took it out of the cabinet from between the tablets of protection? It was sitting on the desk. I don't believe that's the case. That's what you told me, was it not? No, it was in the case. Oh, okay. We, yeah, we should return it immediately. If yeah. Everything was destroyed except for the horn and the tablets that surrounded it. That's I don't know. I I mean, obviously, poor, uh, our poor friend Mr. Reuben Price didn't understand the magic well enough. What did he do while I was asleep? What did he do that summoned something? At any rate... Uh, it was very cold when I picked it up. Like, unnaturally cold. cold. Maybe some sort of magic was expelled from it or or protect like like you said maybe the protection i i, I th i'm with reginald put it back in the cabinet lock it up because that might have been the only thing keeping this creature from actually getting its hands on it i'm and enormously it, relieved that that it was not taken and so whatever precautions we can possibly take i think we should repeat well, well what what why did it go after 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 <clears throat> Ray, Mr. Rayburn Price, and not not any of us. Well, I, I wish I knew. Let's let's just speculate for a moment. Let's say either a he summoned this creature, or b the creature found us because it tracked the horn in some magical way. The creature comes there, tries to get the the horn from the case. The case's magical protection kept it from doing it. Rayburn tried to stop it and the creature was enraged smashed everything couldn't get into the glass case because the glass isn't broken and took its anger out upon our poor deceased friend pure speculation but we we need to have a working theory here um do an idea roll uh both uh both cyrus and reginald a 10. I thought it was an old one. Oh, man. I had an 94, so nice 10. All right. Cyrus suddenly gets a, 
an idea. And he goes upstairs because he's standing in the, in the bottom level looking around at the destruction. It looks like whatever it was was a certain width and height and it moved almost in a straight line because nothing outside that is destroyed. And when you go upstairs and you look in the room, the, the office, and there's a destruction of the, the door itself has been blown off of the frame. Um, you can almost guess that the thing started here in the room and moved that way. And that Rayburn, uh, that, that, that Theodore would have been the closest person to it and then chased him out the door and continued the case with the horn is over here on this side of the room. Nothing over there was really damaged, just here. And Reginald, uh, do a spot hit for me. A normal success, okay. 43. Uh, Theodore's desk has been smashed by this thing. Mm -hmm. um, you can see that there are a number of papers and stationery and pencils and pens and stuff lying on the floor where they were smashed, but there's also a small brown journal. Oh, that sounds worth uh, having a glance at. And that's where we're going to end it for tonight. <laughs> that is our breaking spot. So, our players included David Gassaway, John Byram, Ford Fitch, Jason Melichok, and Jerry Bryant, with myself as the Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently producing up to five shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good gaming.